Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. And my name is Ben. I have a little bit of a story to open the show up with if you'd like, Matt. I'd love it. All right, great. Good, that worked out. So once upon a time, right before we record this podcast... Uh, you are already here in the office. Yes. I am. I've, I've written an outline. I'm driving up to the office when I notice the traffic has slammed. And there's something about driving that makes us all a little bit inhumane. You know, you, you see a big car accident and your first question is not, I, are they okay? Your first question is, why the hell would somebody get in my way? I've got important places to go and things to do. Mm-hmm. Those chalupas don't eat themselves, yeah. <laughs> right? But we rarely, you know, we rarely ask, are those people okay or something like that? But I noticed as I took these absurd labyrinthine back roads, I noticed that the interstate was pretty much at a standstill, hmm. and this one car had overturned. So oh, man. the entirety of the northbound side of the interstate was closed. And it made me think yet again about how dependent our society is on cars and how dependent our society is on oil. So oil. Black gold. Texas tea. 
Well, let me tell a story about a man named Jed. <laughs> so where does it come from? It's uh, well, a little stuff of genius there. Um, well, it's petroleum. Yeah, that's what we uh, generally call the oil that we use in our vehicles, at least here in the U.S., petrol. Um, it's a refined version of crude oil. Mm-hmm. Um, the word comes from the Greek petra, which means rock, and then, uh, I don't know how to say this. Eleon, I think. E-L-A-I-O-N. Uh, which means oil. I've seen it referred to as specifically olive oil. So petroleum is literally rock oil or rocks oil. And the use of this phrase dates way back to the 10th century. This is something that has been used for a while. Mm-hmm. Petroleum is a naturally occurring liquid. It can be anywhere from a yellowish color all the way to pitch black. You find it, of course, beneath the surface of Earth. But not all oil is made equally. It can consist of varying hydrocarbons and a lot of other or, uh, organic compounds that mm-hmm. can either increase or decrease, uh, I guess, uh, the purity of the or the ability to burn. Right. Yeah. Great point, because that's why there are so many different terms for oil, like sweet crude, sweet Texas mm-hmm. crude. Um, we should also point out how oil is formed. You often hear that oil is dinosaur juice. Mm-hmm. Well, we have some good news. Uh, there is a grain of truth to it. Oil forms when large amounts of dead organisms are buried beneath rock and subjected to a lot of heat and a lot of pressure, the same way that coal transforms to a mm-hmm. diamond or a similar way. Uh, usually, though, most of these organisms that we're talking about are just a great mass of very tiny things. Yeah, you're talking about zooplankton, algae, and other things. And, you know, sure, there's some dinosaur juice in your oil, maybe a little bit, but not nearly as much as you were probably told as a kid, or at least jokingly mm-hmm. told, and then you just took it like me to be truth. Those guys at Royal Dutch Shell and BP and Standard Oil all missed their chance, man, to sell dino juice. Ah. You know, I would love for there to be a dino juice corporation that overthrows countries. Just the name change would make a difference. Spoilers. Uh, so today, uh, we know that there are numerous different types of oil and the vast majority of these are retrieved through some sort of drilling or underground extraction method. There are historically natural oil springs, but they're quite rare. So this idea we have of a a beach soaked with oil and and hopeless-looking otters and what's another thing? Uh, and the animals? Yeah. Yo, definitely birds. I always see pictures of birds. Yeah, that could have happened uh, thousands of years ago as well. And naturally. And naturally. So humans have used oil since ancient times, but, but how ancient, right? Uh, it goes back to 347 A.D., uh, back in China, when the earliest wells known, at least, were drilled. Ah, uh, China. You invented everything. That's true. Uh, today, oil is used for all kinds of things, uh, from gasoline for vehicles to asphalt so that vehicles can drive on things, mm-hmm. uh, to plastics, pharmaceuticals, especially plastics. If you think about just the number of things in whatever room you're sitting in or walking past, there's so mm-hmm. many Mm-hmm. Oil. The oil was made to use pretty much everything you're looking at. Um, the world is completely and utterly addicted to the stuff. What do you mean? Well, again, think th- think about this. We consume 90 million barrels of oil each year. That's and that's globally. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fairly huge number. Mm-hmm. And what we are realizing now more and more is that this supply of this stuff is 
becoming more and more. Well, it is finite, but it's becoming less and less. Um, uh, it's dwindling. It's dwindling, but there are people who would argue that it's not dwindling. And there are all these unlocked. Uh, vaults of oil around the world. Mm-hmm. However, and we're going to get into that, mm-hmm. but you know, you it it isn't created in a fast way, right? right? As we said, it takes a long process to create the stuff. Like one of the reasons that we often are able to have clean drinking water in so many parts of the world is that there is a water cycle. Now, now of course, I'm not downplaying human ingenuity, but my point is that this water cycle on Earth happens at a much faster rate than this mm-hmm. than this cycle of turning dead matter into oil. So we're using it faster than it can replenish. Absolutely. So there are a lot of negative things about our use of oil, uh, but there are also a lot of positive things, um, and that's sometimes stuff that you don't think about, at least things that I don't think about very much. And it depends on your perspective, too. Oh, sure, and just maybe how you grew up, what your parents taught you. Where you are in society. Maybe what college you went to, or mm. if you went to college. Um, so here, here's some of the great things about oil and society. Ownership of oil reserves have enabled... Countries and sometimes, you know, families, close-knit, ruling families. the Sultan of Brunei. Oh, yeah, sure. To accumulate just absurd amounts of of money, Mm -hmm. uh, wealth beyond anyone's wildest dreams. There's a con here, though. Uh, As good as it is for some parts of society, it's also bad for the planet. Oil is bad for the planet and most things that live on it, which is why, you know, nobody is lining up to take a bath in crude Unless they're forced to. It's not only bad if you happen to wade into a pool of it or maybe a a small pool gets thrown onto you Mm -hmm. and your ecosystem, it's bad when it's burned. Yeah, we know that the combustion upon which numerous engines, not just car engines, rely uh, can create some dangerous pollutants and not all countries are regulated. Uh, here's here's a funny story about how I came to appreciate catalytic converters and emissions, and it's super short. All right. I noticed when I was living in Jela, which we've mentioned on the show before, I noticed... Uh, which is where? It's in Guatemala. Okay. And I've noticed a, uh, a couple of really interesting things about the vehicles. One, people would Frankenstein a vehicle out of, like, spare parts, magic, I don't know, a lucky sure. penny... These the the mechanics there were really really good, and another thing I noticed was that they must not have had emission standards or those weren't enforced because mm-hmm. Matt, after walking around just for a day, say you're spending a Saturday, you walk around, you go to the park, you learn some stuff, you meet some people, you have a sandwich, you're walking home. Uh, I blew my nose and the snot was black oh. because of the level of pollution. And I wasn't up there, you know, I wasn't like huffing the end of a tailpipe. I was just walking. Uh, Yeah, hopefully we won't, you know, there are parts of the world where that is just the reality. Mm -hmm. Um, Like in jail, I guess. And that is another terrifying aspect. Just thinking about cities in China where the pollution and smog gets so bad that you have to shut down the city for a little while. Yeah, and some of it there is due to weather patterns. Mm-hmm. It can be there can be a lack of wind that would ordinarily sweep the smog away, but that is one that is one con of oil if humans are not careful about it. Another positive thing about oil uh, is that it's great for manufacturing and business uh, from that 
aspect. So we've talked about before on this show, and I think you've talked about it as well on car stuff, that mm-hmm. the first automobiles were electric. True story. Yeah, and uh, where what's the best way to find that? Just look on iTunes for car stuff. Yes, we're on iTunes. You can also visit us at carstuffshow.com where you can see a handy list of some videos that Scott and I do as well as a blog and every single episode we've all, we've ever done. We also cover uh, the history of so many cars where you will hear some crazy stories, you guys, including the stories of the very first vehicle, which was electric and... Additionally, uh, you can check out some conspiratorial stuff. So, much like a any old car these days, electricity gets it started, but oil really fuels the thing. Hey, ha-ho! You Thank like you that. for doing that joke. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> um, and it has fueled a great deal of the modern age. Today, oil supplies 90% of the vehicle fuel needs for, glo- yeah, for the globe, which is still a pretty scary number considering how much push there is to get alternative fuel vehicles out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and oil is responsible for 40% of the total energy consumption inside the United States. Now, there's a con here, too. Uh, we said that oil is great for some parts of society. It's also terrible. For parts of society, it is a death knell at times. It is uh, the bell tolling for you, depending on where you are in a society. And we'll tell you why that is the case after a brief word from our sponsors. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, and we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, before the break, we said that oil is great for some parts of society and terrible for some other parts of society. And this brings us to a continually hot-button type issue. Uh, Matt, I'll give you the honors. War. Wars are fought to gain control over oil resources. And once you're embroiled in a war, you need gasoline for all those vehicles you need oil for all sorts of things it's a it's a powerful component in so many things um when you're trying to fight a war mm-hmm. it's it's crazy to think uh, just how much is used in a battle right and you'll often hear these claims about wars for oil uh, dismissed as conspiracy theories so we thought we'd give you some specific historically accepted examples of wars for oil uh one early example is the chaco war of 1932 through 35 this is interesting matt because bolivia and paraguay fought over control of this place called the chaco boreal and this was a you know rich oil field area Many historians, however, trace the conflict ultimately not to Bolivia and Paraguay, but to two international companies in conflict, Royal Dutch Shell backing uh, Paraguay and Standard Oil backing Bolivia. Oh, man. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's disheartening. That's how it really happened. But that's not the that's not the only example. We know that even when there are not entire wars fought for an oil resource, there are still numerous instances or campaigns where possession of an oil field or a refinery plays a key role. Oh, yeah. During World War II, both sides understood this, and they would bomb refineries and try and gain strategic control over oil fields so that they could have the oil for their tanks and their airplanes and everything. Mm -hmm. Then, even if you jump forward to when the U.S. and Soviet Union were having their fun little Cold War and proxy wars, uh, the activities in Afghanistan were fueled by oil concerns. Surprise! Yeah, the uh, U.S. was concerned or worried that so many Soviet troops that close to the Persian Gulf could disrupt oil supplies and and stop the trade. Mm-hmm. Because oil around the world is like spice and dune, right? It's oh yeah, gotta flow. Yeah, if you and if you control it, <laughs> right. And that's why today you'll often hear people claiming that one war or another was really fought over oil. And often, as sad as it is, these people are not listened to or they are dismissed. It is true that wars are ultimately over resources. Um, you know, whether this is the sole motivation for war, you have to answer that on a case by case basis. But one thing's for sure. Yes. Oil causes conflict. So, 
why not use something else? Why don't we just say, okay, this oil stuff, it's toxic in so many ways, including mm-hmm. politically. Let's just move to something else. Why don't we do that? Yeah, and let's, uh, by the way, have a big hand for our super producer, Noel Brown. Uh, Noel, I'm buttering you up because I'm going to ask for a sound cue. Can we get something like sunshiny for what we're about to announce? Oh, yes, friends. Something does exist, and it's called alternative energy. We're talking nuclear, we're talking solar, hydroelectric, geothermal, and there are so many others. Well, there's a problem, of course, which is if all this stuff is so amazing, why aren't we using it? Now, with nuclear, that's a little bit of a special case. We're talking like Fukushima, uh, Chernobyl, there, there are accurate concerns about that. Hydroelectric really depends on where you are in the world, as does geothermal. It's mm-hmm. not going to work for everybody. Uh, solar, uh, just right now is not efficient enough. There's a problem, though. It's threefold when we look at alternative energy and why the world still uses oil. Uh, the first is that the world's infrastructure is already built for oil. We have a massive sunk cost. Yep. So, so to switch from that would be, um, I'm sure that there is a number of how many dollars that would take for the entire world to switch. But I'm also sure that that number exists as a mathematical concept. I'm also sure that this, these numbers exist as a mathematical concept and it may be more money than actually exists in the world. And, you know, as we said, the second problem, that other forms of energy just don't have the same bang for the buck efficiency, right? Well... Are you sure about that? Or do they? <laughs> right, exactly. And we'll get to that. Uh, research, the, the third problem here is that research into alternative energy is often politicized in the West, especially in the United States, and this tends to hamper uh, any kind of progress. You know, of, of course, it's this goes back to the idea of framing a debate. I think we can all agree, really, if you think about it, that having other forms of energy production is a good thing. Yeah, I don't see many cons to that, unless maybe you're one of the controlling interests in a massive empire built upon oil. Now, you know, ultimately what we know about human beings shows us that if alternative energy or some form of it ever cracks the case and becomes as efficient as oil, then ultimately people will make companies like Standard Oil Mm -hmm. and, you know, it'll just be Standard Wind. Standard Solar. Right, yeah, exactly. Um They'll never get to do that dino juice joke, though. That's so sad. It's a shame. But but we do know, of course, guys, you have seen this if you've ever watched news in the United States. There are people who would go out and say, well, you know, that wind turbines are way more dangerous than you think. They alter the surrounding temperature. That's right. They kill birds. And they do kill birds. Yeah. And they that's, they that's kill true. a lot of birds. That's true. That part is true. But but we see, you know, we see people take a stand against it because they have a political stake in it rather than an objective stake. Mm-hmm. Which leads us to, I don't know about you guys, but this is my favorite part of the podcast today. Um, oh, but before we get to it. We should have a word from our sponsor. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. 
Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. All right, Ben, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the oil conspiracies. So let's just get started here. One of the ideas is that oil companies, or at least their owning interests, actively work to suppress the alternative energy. We're talking about energy suppression here. We've done a couple episodes on this, on the video side, even an audio podcast on this. Um, it's a huge topic. You can look at examples like Zero Point Energy mm-hmm. that, um, from what we can find, probably doesn't exist as of yet. Um, but it might, and if it did, then perhaps it was suppressed and people were <clears throat> killed. That's a conspiracy theory. Another is the so-called free energy examples, including things like uh, Thomas Murray's device that he created that was suppressed. 
And there are numerous other conspiracies. So let's look at the automotive side here. Uh, there's this conspiracy idea that automotive manufacturers conspire to prevent viable alternative energy cars from hitting the markets. And you can see some great examples of this in something called Who Killed the Electric Car? There's also the Great Streetcar Conspiracy. And uh, that's... That's a fascinating topic to me. Mm-hmm. You can hear us covered on car stuff as well. Um, I think we have we have a video about it somewhere. We do knocking around. Uh, there's another example from the world of automotives, uh, the water powered car, which we also talked about. Oh man, that one's fascinating. Check out our video on that. Uh, and we also had Scott from Car Stuff come on and talk a little bit about some of this stuff. That's true. We did. Yeah, he's a good fellow. Uh, Okay, so there's another idea here that I know we're kind of blowing through these. Uh, that's just so that you guys can, you know, get a little tidbit and then go research in other ways. Um, but there's an idea that most Middle Eastern conflicts, stuff like the uh, our war in Afghanistan, the recent one, uh, also, again, going into Iraq, um, that it's ultimately the result of colonization and resource extraction rather than any kind of ideological or religious concern. Yeah, so let's look at this. I think we have talked about this before in some of our videos. Mm -hmm. But right now, if you are an alien and you land on planet Earth, or you're just, you know, screw it, you stay on the moon and you're just watching the news before you go in go into the planet, right, or into civilization, which is the smart move if you're listening, <laughs> extraterrestrials. So so let's say that you turn on the news and you notice that uh things seem pretty dicey in the Middle East. And there's a country called Iran, and there's some other countries, Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the United States, which do not like Iran. And Iran is, you notice, surrounded on all sides by U.S. bases. Yep. You'll probably hear a lot of people talking about uh, religious values, right? More abstract, ideological things. But and you're smart, you'll also notice that Iran is the country controlling something called the Strait of Hormuz, uh, where a great deal of the world's oil passes. And Iran has the ability to shut down this strait. Uh, the United States and Saudi Arabia spend a great deal of time and money making sure that they have boats that are in the water. So imagine, imagine that something valuable was coming out of the Gulf and mm-hmm. that the U.S. controlled the Gulf, but there was another country much stronger than the U.S., like China 60 years from now, sure. sends ships to the Gulf of uh, Mexico to prevent any kind of shutdown. That's similar. That hypothetical situation is similar. So this idea now is that most of the Middle East conflicts are ultimately a result of Colonial powers and uh, ownership of oil, resource extraction—it's a—it's uh, dirty, dirty stuff. Ugh. You can. I'm trying to think if there's a good place on video where you can learn more about that. I don't think we've covered that in particular, like the Strait of Hormuz or anything. Well, you can look at the. Yeah, you're right. We haven't covered that yet, but you can find some great stuff if you look into uh, who set up the Shah of Iran. And later, the fall of the Shah, uh, the involvement of uh, energy companies in uh, both the the involvement of British oil companies in the area historically, and mm-hmm. how much influence they welded over state making. So, do some Iran research. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing that we just looked at this week on video is our classic series on peak oil and whether or not we've reached this point of peak oil where we are not producing uh, enough to meet demand or right. where our, where our uh, supplies are dwindling and dwindling. Where we can't make that 90 million barrels mark. Mm-hmm. And that's a scary thing because, as we know, the developing world is thirstier and thirstier for oil. People have more machines. Uh, people want more consumer goods. And there are just more people. Oh, yeah, a lot more people. And the conspiracy lies within whether or not we've already hit this point of peak oil, whether we, you know, when we will hit it, if we will hit it. Or if it's a hoax. Yeah. By the left because Alaska, man, there's so much oil under Alaska. Well, I, you know, not to make light of it, but I, the point that we're making here is that there are people on both sides of the peak oil debate who believe that there is a conspiracy afoot. And the biggest thing for me is, do we really want to continue to burn all this oil? Come on, guys. I got really scared by Newsroom, dude. Newsroom did that piece on uh, climate change. Did you? you I've never it? seen Newsroom. Okay, all right. Well, Newsroom did this small piece on climate change where they interviewed, I don't know if he was just uh, an associate director or something of um, the EPA. And then I did some research after that aired. Uh-huh. And the results about the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere is pretty scary. Now, Newsroom, is that the show written by Aaron Sorkin? That is correct. Okay, good. Just because the way you were talking about it for a second made me think that it was an actual news show that oh, I had oh, missed. Yes, it's an HBO show. I apologize. Oh, no worries. Uh, so I'll check it out, huh? Is it worth I it? would recommend anyone check it out just because it it's one of those doom and gloom things where it just seems awful. And you're watching it on this fiction fictionalized TV show. But then when you realize that the information that, that's being used in there is nonfiction, uh-huh. uh, it's pretty scary. Here's another scary thing, and we'll be talking about this in a video that you can check out this week, too, probably right after you listen to this episode. Uh, there is an organization called OPEC, right? And hmm, never uh, heard of them. Yeah, who are they, right? And OPEC uh, can, is a consortium that controls oil prices in general. Now, recently, if you have tuned into the news, you have noticed that oil prices are plummeting. Uh, there are a couple reasons for this, but here's the thing that's kind of conspiratorial that I, I really enjoy. It's that maybe OPEC and the Western powers are conspiring to drive down the price of fossil fuels from crude oil to natural gas, not to save us money at the pump, not because they care. That would be really nice if they did. I, that would be, you know what, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe for the holidays. Maybe it's for the holidays, and maybe I'm being a jerk. But I also propose that maybe this is an attempt to weaken countries like Russia and Iran, both of which rely on fossil fuel exports to power their economies. That whole situation right now is heating up um, Mm -hmm. between Russia and a lot of other uh, places in the world, especially the United States. And Russia was questioning Israel earlier this week because they bombed Syria. Ah, yes. Um, There's just so much interesting stuff going on there. I, I watch, do you watch Vice News at all? I've seen it before. I've been trying to just keep up to date. They have some embedded people. Mm. Well, not embedded, they're just there. Uh, they're not embedded with any group. Uh, but yeah, it's just really interesting to actually see the news coming out mm. from that kind of thing. Well, it's important, especially when we talk about any kind of international affair, it's, it's crucial to check multiple news sources. Anytime that somebody Questioned your source, your individual source, 
it's just good practice to have another one you can show. I mean, I read uh, RT, which used mm-hmm. to be like the Russian Times, yeah. all the time. I also read the official uh, state web page of North Korea, the DPRK. I might be the only one who does that. I do not currently. But um, Does Google Translate work pretty well with that? They have an English section. Oh, wow, okay. Yep. Amazing. They have an English section and a Korean section. Check it out. You'll see some interesting stuff. But so I'm saying uh, I'll check state mouthpieces, right? Mm-hmm. Arguably, Al Jazeera is a state mouthpiece too, right? Um, and let's see, are they in Qatar, I believe? Yes. Uh, also, the BBC is essentially a state news site. In the United States, it's a little bit different um, because, you know, Fox will speak more for the right, MSNBC will speak more for the left. Often both can be disingenuous. And usually it's a corporation. Yeah, you know, I hate to be that guy, but you're, you're ultimately getting PR a lot of times. It's true that um, in ad-driven news, people can shut something down if an advertiser has enough power and they don't like it. Or just the conglomerate that owns the media company has any arm. So you're talking, really, I I feel like if I'm looking into your head right now, I'm seeing the Saturday Night Live video that was shown once and taken (laughs) off the air. Yeah. I mean, a bit, at least bits and pieces. I I have an unfortunate bias uh, against U.S. news uh, in that way. So are any of these conspiracies true? Uh, I think bits and pieces of most of these are true. Yeah. Uh, I think it's difficult. It would be extremely difficult to prove hands down any of them, um, just with actual hard evidence. So are any of these conspiracies we've heard so far true or do they have a grain of truth? Well, of course it would be extremely difficult to prove, uh, with concrete, inarguable evidence that oil companies are conspiring to, let's say, suppress any of this innovation. Uh, but we do know that large companies can and will act unethically to ensure not only their continued survival, but the continued su- survival of, let's say, uh, that market or that business model. That, yeah, that huge business model. So, yeah, one example of this, it probably hits home for a lot of you out there listening on the Internet, I know it makes me furious, is the suppression of superior fiber optic networks by telecoms. If you have been on Reddit or the subreddit for technology, then you have seen so many stories about companies that originally refused to build a fiber optic network taking legal action to prevent a town or a city from building their own. Yeah, because, man, you can't step on my profits like that. Or the suppression of, let's talk about this too while we're at it, of uh, online video services like Netflix and Hulu by cable companies who don't want consumers to use another more convenient, more affordable way of watching TV. Now, okay, these examples, of course, I know I know what everybody's saying. Of course, these have nothing to do with gasoline. These are just examples of what can happen when a company is large enough to affect legislation, right? Yeah. Uh, so there is a dangerous possibility. I'm not saying it has happened before that an oil company would suppress an innovation, but I am saying that it could happen which is terrifying. Well, one of the other things that we do know for sure is that auto manufacturers back in the day were found guilty of destroying America's electric streetcars. And we're talking about the streetcars that were in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and maybe a couple, Chicago, yeah, a couple yeah. other cities. 
Um, yeah, they were found guilty of doing this. And guess what, Ben? Mm. This is something I learned from your show. What's that? They were fined um, just a little bit. They were just fined a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. One dollar. They were fined one dollar, you guys, uh, the big three auto manufacturers. And I think there was also a tire company that was active in this, uh, purchased various streetcar systems and then later dismantled them. Now, you will hear people say that these were already hemorrhaging money or they were bad investments or something from the beginning and that the other companies had no choice but to dismantle them. However... I, you know, it's okay if you believe that, if you like to believe that sort of thing, but mm-hmm. the court doesn't agree with you, which and is that's... like the most diplomatic way I could put it. <laughs> you're so kind, Ben. Thank you. Oh, that's right. You're very kind. Uh, so conspiracy theories about auto power are almost as old as the Model T mm-hmm. going way back there. Sure. And that's, you know, there's no surprise about that. But while we don't have concrete proof of the suppression, like we said before, we do know that there are various electric cars that came and went under this same kind of, let's say, mysterious circumstance. Right. Talking about the EV1, mm-hmm. uh, if you've ever watched Who Killed the Electric Car, uh, you'll know what we're talking about. We have an episode on that as well. Um, that, that Saturn EV1 is so crazy, especially when you go back and you watch the interviews with, I think Tom Hanks was one of the interviews. Uh-huh. People, so here's how the EV1 worked. People could not outright buy it. They could lease it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the lease period, people were going nuts and bananas. They loved the Saturn EV1. But Saturn destroyed the EV1s when they were returned from lease. It and wasn't you, it GM? You, GM destroyed it, yeah, excuse me. And you weren't allowed to renew your lease. Yeah. It was very, very dodgy business. Uh, here's another thing that we talked about uh, a little bit at length, uh, the idea of oil driving conflict in the Middle East. It's fairly certain a great deal of conflict in the Middle East can be traced back, as we said, to colonialism, to control of these resources, because if you've ever wondered why some parts of the world are so violent – really should look at um, colonialism and the ways that it grouped modern nation states without much consideration to the people who already live there and tribes or communities. So these would be cut in half and then people who were enemies of one another or rivals would be in the same new state, Mm -hmm. uh, which explains a lot of the conflict, but not all of it. And it's a little too simplistic sometimes to just say that a war is fought only for oil. Um, But it is a huge factor, maybe way bigger than what people might imagine. It's part of establishing, you know, hegemony, controlling resources. There are a few facts that most people don't know about the United States, though. We have a lot, all these misconceptions that are still trumpeted Mm -hmm. by pundits on the news. Uh, first one that we should bust. The United States does not get most of its oil from the Middle East. Nope. We get it from the North, from good old Canada. Yep, true story, you guys. For a while, Canada had been our number one source of uh, fossil fuel imports. And we also produce a lot of it here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so weird, then, if you go back to what we were talking about earlier, that oil is this large contributing um, factor in going to war in places in the Middle East. Uh-huh. And, you know, if we don't, maybe we don't need all that oil, Ben. We're getting it from other places. Right. The discovery of fracking and extraction from shale has been a huge shot in the arm for the U.S. industry. But then that brings us back to uh, the old peak oil idea, right? Because if we're 
counting improvement in production by finding new means of extraction. We're not finding more oil. We're just, we're getting better at digging it out of earth's nooks and crannies. Yeah, uh, more complicated ways to get it out. Right, and maybe less safe. But what, what does this mean about peak oil, the whole peak oil conspiracy? Well, it means we're, we're not talking about whether or not it's going to happen. We're just talking about when it's going to happen. Um, I mean, it's true that various oil companies and let's say, let's call them pro-oil senators. Sure. Uh, you know, they got money in the family or they're, you know, they've got family who's in with the oil. Which uh, happens and which is not illegal. No, not at all. Uh, bushes. So they've argued, people have argued that climate change or global warming is this myth and, mm-hmm. you know, it's made to extend government control over private industry so you can tax the companies and you can tax the people for using carbons. Which is, which is weird to me. Like I, I get this idea, especially with one world government conspiracies, but it's also true that if you look at the laws and the legislation process, at least in at least in Western countries, mm-hmm. um, private industry actually wields more control over the state than many people would like to think. And we, we bring this up all the time. Yeah, we look at lobbying. We've looked at uh, just the various controls that you can have in an election process. And let's not forget that oil companies really have spearheaded invasions and toppled regimes to keep that dino juice and the profits flowing. And now, before we move on, I'm going to say something that a lot of people might not expect. It's just a question. Have oil companies done more good or more harm? Because it's super, super convenient for us to live in this world made of all these amazing plastic and petroleum products to drive in our cars, right, or ride in a um, in an electric train, which is probably powered by a coal plant. It's super easy for us to have all those things and then, you know, say, oh, oil companies are terrible right. and bad. I just feel like it's uh, They're it's a, great a lot of people don't consider. A yeah. great scapegoat kind of thing. I, I see that. Uh, well, let's say, I would say this. The world is a much more convenient place thanks to oil and oil companies. Uh, it's a much more, it's a healthier place in some ways due to things like plastics, um, it, due to things like pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. that are created from that. Um, most of what we have right now that we consider modern, modern conveniences are directly from oil. Which is strange because that leads us to a question that Matt and I have for each other and also for you listeners. What role will oil play in the future of civilization? Thanks so much for listening. You can let us know on our Facebook and Twitter where we're uh, making moves, doing stuff, mm-hmm. posting things. Retweeting. Yeah, so uh, please like and subscribe to our shows so that our bosses don't fire us. Uh, and that would be huge, honestly. If you subscribe to the show, yeah. yeah. And uh, also, hey, share. It's the it's the holidays. Share this stuff with your with your families. Mm-hmm. I just would love to see the reaction of your grandmother when you show her one of our videos. You can find them all at StuffTheyDon'tWantYouToKnow.com. We're also on YouTube. And if you want to send Matt and I a suggestion uh, for an upcoming episode, please let us know. You can uh, reach us if you don't want to do the social media on email. We are conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff.
You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at Conspiracy Stuff. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.